0: We've got you to a point you've chosen your pet, you have prepared your home, and the next most important thing that we believe that you need is a vet. So what do you look for in choosing a vet? What are the important things in finding the right person that you can go to? Miranda, in your job as a veterinary health technician, what are some of the points that you wanted to bring to your potential clients on what to look for as they were entering this new realm of being a pet owner for the first time or after a small period or whatever they may be, wherever they may be, what are some of the things that you would tell them?
1: Well, one of the things that I want to help you to be aware of is obviously when you are getting a new pet for the first time, this is when you would want to search for a vet, one that is going to suit both your pet's needs as well as your own needs to make sure that they are getting the best care that they can get. However, this is not the only time where you might look for a vet. You also, if you were moving, and maybe you're moving to a new city, a new neighborhood or something like that, you may not want to, uh, if it's in the same city, you may not want to make that journey uh, all the way to the vet that you were going to. You may still, but you may not. But if you're going to a new city, new province, new country, these would be a times where you would need to look for another vet. And it's a good idea to to do this ahead of time before you actually make the actual journey. Another time you might look for a vet is if you get a diagnosis from your current vet, but you're not so sure about the diagnosis, you can go to other veterinarians, search out other veterinarians and get some other opinions to make the decision on whether you want to continue with the care with the vet you're at or whether you want to move to a different one. And then the last one is if you have a concern about the current care that you are that you and your pet are receiving you might want to search out an, another vet that might give you the the care that you are hoping to get Those are
0: great points. When you move, obviously, you're going to need. That should be like the very first thing you do if you have animals. If you are moving to a new location and it's far away from your current vet then you would definitely, that would be your number one, I would think, obviously, when you're going to adopt right away. You should be thinking about that even before you pick up your animal, in my opinion. I want to double down on what you mentioned about the concern about the current care that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Vets are not the authority, the be and end all of everything that goes on with your animal. Mm -hmm. You need to be an advocate for your animal. You need to advocate for their health. And if you are not feeling that you are being listened to and heard and your animal is getting passed over, like it's just another number on the docket, then you need To search for a new vet, you need to be a partner with your vet. Your vet is not the one to tell you what to do. You are the animal's owner, you are responsible for that animal. You have to be the advocate. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really great that you brought that up. Yeah. If you are having a question about whether this vet is good for you, then you have every right. And I'm going to give you the permission slip right now that you can leave your current vet to go to another one that will listen to you and that will be a partner with you in your animal's wellness Mm -hmm. plan. That's really important.
1: And you have every right to ask any questions that you might have regarding your pet's care. And if your vet is not willing to give you a reasonable answer, then this is definitely a time that you should be considering getting a second opinion or transferring to a new location.
0: Obviously. Yeah. That's, that's big time. So where do you think they should start looking for a vet? What are the avenues that you think would be the best avenues for them to look for one, to find one that suits their needs?
1: Well, certainly referrals, testimonials, all those type of things are important. So talking to family, friends, other associates that you are in contact with and getting their opinions But keep in mind that what they might be looking for in a vet is not necessarily what you might be looking for in a vet. Don't take what they say as gospel, just keep it in mind as a possibility and it'll help you to give an idea on what you want to look for. There are veterinarian associations and veterinarian associations on their websites, they have lists of um, vets and these include evaluations. They do get regularly evaluated to make sure that they are following appropriate practices and and that type of thing. A combination of the two would be uh, the ideal.
0: Yes. And I also think that reviews, when you're searching, make sure you look at the reviews. Sometimes you can get a vet that looks good on paper, their evaluations are good, but then you read the reviews and you find out that this particular vet at this particular practice doesn't listen to people with this particular problem. And that's really important to know, because if you're having that problem, you don't want to go to a vet who's not going to listen to you.
1: And another thing is, is that even before you start searching, what would be a really good idea is to make a list of what would be important to you. Because if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to find what you want. You know, are you wanting a vet that is open to holistic or, or alternative treatments? Do you want a vet that's going to listen to you and give you the time and respect that you would like?
0: What are some of the questions that we should be asking? What considerations? What are the things that we should be looking for as we're making these choices?
1: I think that what a lot of people do when they are choosing a vet is they base it first off and foremost on the location of their, of the clinic, of the practice. They figure they don't want to have to drive more than 15 minutes to the vet, which can be great in an emergency. However... Usually that's, I guess, another thing to consider as well is, is the that going to be open for emergencies or are you going to have to find an emergency clinic anyhow?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I personally, I drive 45 minutes to my vet. I will travel. Um, I like my vet. She listens to me. She treats my animals with kindness, and respect, and she allows me to be in the exam room when they're drawing blood, that which I really appreciate. Yeah, (laughs) location and emergency centers. My vet has some emergency hours, but they don't have a lot. I did my research. I Mm -hmm. know where the emergency vet centers are. I have one that's 15 minutes from me, Mm -hmm. and I have two that are about a half an hour from me. So I know where they are. Location is a, that's Mm -hmm. a really important one.
1: And you may also want to consider asking your potential vet, do they do house calls? You could end up having an animal who is going to get really stressed on the way to a vet, or they could end up having a really serious health issue that it's not really conducive to have to transfer them to another location. So not all vets do this, but you might be able to find one that does do that in combination with some of the other things that you'd want to look for.
0: Yeah, good point. I know me being 45 minutes away from my vet, I know house calls are not a thing that I can rely on, but I do know that my vet does do that if they live within a certain radius
1: of the vet. Mm -hmm. So when you first are choosing a vet, you don't want to have your first appointment where you are taking your pet in for some kind of an exam or treatment or something like that. It's better if you can make an appointment with the vet. You don't necessarily have to bring the animal with you, but you want to evaluate how how the vet operates, how the practice of it operates, how are the staff, how do they interact with the with the animals? Is the Does the clinic tend to be really busy? Is the waiting room really full or is it really empty? Being really full might mean that the practice is popular and well-liked, but it could also mean long waiting times. It may be that your, your time isn't going to be respected. So that's another thing to consider as well. And how is the practice designed? Does it seem to be warm and inviting? Does it seem cold and clinical? this could be a personal preference on what you would like what do they have in the waiting room to make the any wait to be more pleasant so those are some things to consider and then when you're when you meet with a vet they should be willing to answer any questions that you have any concerns that you might have that will help you decide whether you want to partner with them or not it's a good
0: thing to keep in mind we as humans we don't just go to the random doctor. We choose our doctors very specifically. We ask questions. Granted, some of us are stuck to what my insurance will cover, but at least I know that when I had insurance, I would look at the list of the doctors that are in my network and I would find the one that suited me and then I would call or I would make of my first appointment and then ask questions. And really do my research. Why wouldn't you do that for a vet? I'm very big on, very, very big. And you've heard me before. You will (laughs) hear me again. (laughs) I promise you that you need to treat your animals like you would a family member, a human family member. Researching your doctors, researching your vets, researching your food, researching all of this stuff that goes into animal care and animal ownership and responsibilities. And you have to be accountable to your animal and you don't want to put them in a position where they're going to be unduly stressed. They're not going to be taken care of. They're not going to be treated like they are a sovereign being. It's very important that me as an educator get this message out there. It's so important to really choose your vets with that in Mm -hmm. mind.
1: And most likely, most of you are going to have either a cat or a dog, or maybe both, which is what most vets will work with. That's where their specialties are. However, some of you may have more exotic animals. You may have pocket pets like gerbils, hamsters, those type of animals. You may have reptiles, you may have birds, and maybe other types of exotics. So If you have any of these other types of animals, you want to make sure and ask, does the vet deal with these types of animals and what is their background in it? How much, how knowledgeable are they? Because they might deal with them, but they may not be all that knowledgeable. So you want to go to one that has had special training in those um, particular areas.
0: I know uh, one of the cats that I brought back to my house The house that he was living in, their vet was a large animal vet, and they didn't really treat dogs and cats as well as they treated horses and cows and donkeys and all of the farm animals that a farm vet or a large animal vet would be Mm -hmm. uh, responsible for. And that always bothered me. I made that mental note. That if I was ever going to have these different types of animals, large livestock type animals or a cat or a dog or an exotic, I need to be willing to have multiple vets. I personally do not feel comfortable choosing a vet who specializes in larger animals farm animals, and livestock animals taking care and having all of the attention needed to take care of my little cats. I need to be okay with having multiple vets. When I had a bird and when I had hamsters and guinea pigs, I had a separate vet. My exotic vet was different from my cat vet. And I was okay with traveling to different vets and having relationships with two different Mm -hmm. doctors.
1: Yeah. One of the other things to consider, which I didn't add before, is thinking about what the vet's ethics and philosophies are. For example, more traditional vets have a certain way of doing things. For example, you might want to ask about tail docking and ear cropping. What is their stand on that? what is their stand on euthanasia? When will they agree to do euthanasia? And when will they maybe say that they won't? And so other sort of other areas like this, where vets may have different personal opinions on how they deal with different areas. And do you agree with it or not?
0: Yeah, a big one for me is decline. I really don't want to work with a vet who thinks declawing is okay. I know it's kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people. And thankfully, many areas and many places, it's becoming illegal to declaw cats. But if they think it's like no big deal, then I have a problem with that. Because that means that their philosophies Mm -hmm. and their ethics do not match mine. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good point. Really good point. So thank you for bringing that up. So what are some other things that we need to pay attention to? Uh,
1: Well, some of the other questions you would want to consider is, what are the hours of operation? Are they open Monday to Friday till 10 to 5 or something like that? Or do they have evening appointments do they have weekend appointments are they more willing are they willing to sort of accommodate different people's work schedules or are you going to be forced to have to take time off work in order to take your pet to the vet
0: good one yeah that's a big one some some Mm -hmm. vets close at four o'clock they're only open from eight to four luckily now with the way people are working these days I have noticed more vets have a little bit like at least one day where they have later hours. Hopefully there's a shifting going on, but that's a really great thing. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and I'm sure you (laughs) were thinking about bringing it up, but Mm -hmm. there's pet insurance. Does the vet take pet insurance? Do you even know
1: that there is a such thing
0: (laughs) as pet insurance? And how that works. And to find out, just like you would go to your other, your regular human doctor, what insurance plans they take? And do they recommend that? Do they have payment plans or ways to help you pay for the services that you might need, especially if it's an emergency service? Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things, the financial end of it.
1: Well, yeah, that's definitely very important because... If you've never had a pet before, you could end up having a surgery or something like that that's needed, and it could cost you two, $3,000, depending on the nature of the uh, treatment that needs to be given or surgery. So if you're not expecting this, that can be a lot of money to have to suddenly deal with, and you may not have all of that money up front. Having an insurance plan will definitely help alleviate that and not I won't go into detail in this uh, at this point but just so you know that not all insurance plans are the same just like with human insurance plans you need to determine what does it cover what do they allow to be pre-existing and what do they not and also looking at reviews to see how other people feel that they honored payouts and, and that type of thing so, Payment plan is definitely a good, another good option to look at because sometimes a pet insurance will not be enough. You may still need to have the payment plan on top of that. Yes. I believe that if a vet really cares about the relationship with you and cares about the animal, that they're going to do what they can to help you pay for the service. I think most of them are going to try to do their best to avoid having an animal stay ill or being euthanized because of not being able to afford a treatment. Now of course there has to be in with within reason cuz they have to be able to pay their bills, but it's definitely a good discussion to to have with them and to find out what what their options are.
0: That's a really great point. I know I've had many animals with all the sick animals and all the hospice care that we have had because I had a lot of geriatric cats for a while giving them fluids, it gets pricey. But one thing that we were able to do is here in the U.S., I don't know if it's international, but at least here in the U.S., we have something called care credit. It is basically for medical expenses. So what my husband and I have done is we have insurance on the animals. The insurance will pay about 80%, I think, of some of the bigger things. They don't cover some things, but they do cover the, the important things. So we can make sure that our animals are taken care of when they're ill. So we actually pay for the whole appointment on the care credit card, which is just for veterinary stuff. And then we submit to our insurance company The insurance company reimburses us for the amount that we have paid, and then we just take that payment, use that to pay the credit card. So it's this roundabout way where we are not having to really worry about having out-of-pocket expenses because it's technically going onto a credit card. And then before the bill shows up, the insurance already has gotten the submission And they are already cutting a check. So we just just rotate that. That's how we pay for it. We have this revolving thing. And it has worked really, really well. And we've been able to maintain proper care for our animal and not go bankrupt. Where you are, if you didn't know, listeners, I live in US and Miranda lives in Canada. So we may be talking different things because we have (laughs) different systems. And we are going to be touching on that too in the future. So what is it like up in Canada?
1: Well, that's something I would actually have to do some research on for myself because I haven't heard of that type of option. Maybe it exists. Uh, I know one of the things that we do have here is there's some um, nonprofit associations that will help with payment programs for people who are lower income. The only challenge with that is that you end up on a waiting list you may or may not Mm. get the assistance in time.
0: Yeah, that that could be rough. But Mm -hmm. again, when we were saying what you need to consider before you get an animal is you have to make sure that you are in a position to take care of the animal financially. Mm -hmm. These options that we're giving you, they're there for you. But if you really have to worry about whether I can afford to take care of my animal, then maybe you need to go back and do some more research Mm -hmm. because finances is really important. And when we're choosing a vet, if your vet does not take payment plans, then you might be in a position where you cannot give your animal the best care. So as you're choosing a vet, make sure that the vet you choose can honor where you are at economically and financially if they will not work with you, then you need to go to another vet. That is something that you need to discuss with the vet. Something you need to discuss with your spouse or your partner. Add that to the equation when choosing a vet.
1: Mm-hmm. Another thing to think about, and we've got quite a few uh, tips here for you for you guys. When you go to a clinic, if it's a multi-vet clinic, when you meet with one vet. One thing you want to find out is, is that vet going to be the only one that works with your pet? Or is it going to be that when you go in, it's going to be multiple choice? You might get this vet this time, you might get another vet next time, depending on whether the vet you saw last time was busy or not. You might be okay with that. Personally, I think it's better to have one vet working with your pet, because then they really get to know the ins and outs of your pet. So they get to know their personality, they get to know any uh, their health issues really well. It's not just on paper, they, they have that actual interaction with them and so they know how to respond to them and deal with them appropriately.
0: That's another great point because I don't want multiple vets looking at my animals. I am very, very aware of the stress levels of my animals. Having multiple vets, an animal cannot create the connection with one of their vets. When I go to my vet, I see one person. If perchance she's off, then I can make the choice to see another vet if I want to, but I do not want my animals to not know who they're going to be dealing with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My vet has always had a relationship with my animals and I find that's very beneficial to my animals Mm -hmm. They need to feel comfortable. Just like when we as humans go to the doctor, you want to know that you can trust your doctor. Mm -hmm. Your animal wants to trust. And if there's a revolving door and a rotating vet system, your animal is never going to feel that security. Mm -hmm. And you will have a stressed animal at the vet. The vet is already super stressful for your animal. Mm -hmm. Why make it harder?
1: Yes, and with that stress factor, dogs and cats really do much better when they've got familiarity and routine. You're not necessarily going to have the routine aspect when you go to the vet, but if you can have some familiarity where they recognize, they know the vet, the person that's dealing with them. If it's like a routine checkup or something like that, then they get familiar with the process and that because your vet is going to generally do the process in the same way each time. So they just kind of get to know what to expect a little bit better.
0: Exactly. It's so important. It's so important. You always have to have your animal's safety, security. You just have to have your animal in mind, You can't just keep making decisions because you think it's best and your animal is going to have to deal with it. That's just not the way to create a relationship with your animal. Your animal needs to trust you just as much as it needs to trust the vet.
1: Mm -hmm. And how comfortable are you with the vet? When you meet with them, do you feel like you can talk with them easily? Do they seem approachable to you? Do you do they seem like they are willing to answer your questions and communicate with you? And when you ask questions, are they open to whatever you ask? Do they listen without any kind of judgment or criticism? Because that's important too. If you feel like you're not being respected or listened to, or they are making you feel like your questions are dumb or not relevant, then this this is again where you want to consider whether this is really the kind of vet that you want to work with or partner with.
0: I like that you mentioned partner right at the end because I truly believe that your relationship with your vet needs to be a partnership. You do not want some condescending person telling you to shut your face because you don't know what you're talking about. I've had vets like that and that's a big turnoff for me listen to me. I live with my animal. I know what's going on with my animal. I may not have the same medical knowledge as as the vet does, but I understand the animal in and out. I know the personalities. I know their emotional states. I know what makes them anxious. I know what brings them stress. Mm -hmm. I want a vet to listen to me without judgment to partner with me without judgment because I want somebody to work with me. I truly believe doctors are there to provide a service for us. We are the ones that are in control of our health care mm-hmm. and our animals' healthcare, And we need to feel comfortable. We need to know that we're heard. It's really important. So thank you for reiterating that whole partnership thing. Mm -hmm. So important. So important.
1: Mm -hmm. When you go to the vet, you want to be as positive an experience as possible, both for you and your pet. If either of you are feeling that stress that, ugh, I don't really want to go, then that's not really a good fit.
0: That's a good sign that you need to go elsewhere. (laughs) Definitely. You and I have talked about this a little bit, but also the overnight stuff. If you leave your animal overnight, like if they have to stay the night, what is the care like? Does this vet have somebody on staff that works nights? That's another thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And you might assume that they would have somebody because you think of a hospital that they always have staff there to to monitor patients overnight. Unfortunately, that is not the case with veterinary practices. Some do offer that service and some do leave the, the the animals unattended overnight.
0: That is something that I've had to leave my animals overnight and it's not a comfortable feeling, not knowing. So if you can know that about your vet, that's gonna definitely take some of that stress away from us as, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pet parents really yeah. is.
1: <laughs> and especially when an animal is recovering from surgery, and they may not fully have come out of anesthesia. By the time that the, the clinic closes to the public, they could end up having some reaction with a the surgery, they could end up moving in some way and opening up the sutures, potentially bleed to death. It's really important to make sure you have a vet that is going to have somebody on staff because if something like that happens, there's not really anything they can do by the time the morning comes.
0: Yeah. Luckily, a lot of vets, if you choose the right vet, I mean, I know there's some outliers out there, but in my experience, I've had a few little hiccups, but most of the veterinary experiences I have had have been positive they do the proper evaluations, they do the proper blood tests, they they do proper post-surgery tending. More vets are doing that nowadays. And I think it's because it's a double-edged sword for me, but the government is involved <laughs> in a lot of areas. The state governments, the federal governments in most, I think in most of North America, they're involved. And that Make sure that the vets kind of stay within those lines. Mm -hmm. I don't know about up in Canada, but down here, there are vets that are definitely accredited. That's not common. Mm -hmm. And the one that I currently am is, Mm -hmm. but they became accredited a few years ago. And I've been going to them for over 20 years. So it's one of those things that is a double-edged sword. The government's involved boo, hiss, but (laughs) at the same time, they're maintaining a certain level. They're regulated. Sometimes too much, but at least they're regulated. You can't just be all willy-nilly and run a veterinary clinic anymore. Mm -hmm. You have to answer to somebody. And that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable sometimes.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's why it's also a good idea to look at vet clinics that are part of that, well, they should all be a part of association because they can't really operate without being a part of one. Yeah. That's why I had said earlier that they get evaluated because they have certain protocols that they have to follow. And I actually worked for a vet that wasn't following these protocols Luckily, I heard through other staff what was happening, and I ended up leaving, but he ended up getting shut down. He didn't have his license taken away, but he was no longer allowed to practice as a sole vet. He had to work under somebody else because he hadn't followed the proper protocol. The associations are very vigilant, at least here in Canada, I'm assuming in the U.S. as well on making sure that practices are following the regulations that have been created.
0: I think here in America, there's different levels of regulation. I'm not familiar with it completely. So do not quote me on this people. This is just what I've seen. I think we have kind of a tier system. There are ones that are very much regulated that are very optimally regulated and some that are only regulated to the minimum amount required by law. Um, that's what I believe happens here. Mm-hmm. Um, again, don't quote me on it. I don't know
1: for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I've just seen with a couple of vets that I've used since I've been <laughs> an animal guardian, there are different levels that I've encountered in my journey as an owner.
1: Mm-hmm. There's some more sort of technical things to consider, uh, less of the emotional side of it, but they are also good things to consider. And you may have to do a little bit of research in order to understand what, what it is you need to look for. But for example, is what sort of equipment does the practice use? You know, Do they have the, the latest and greatest modern equipment? Or are they sort of still kind of operating more from the 80s or something like that? Not that they have to have the latest and greatest. But it's just kind of get an idea of what kind of equipment they use, what kind of things they can do. Can they do x-rays at the clinic? Can they do all kinds of lab work or do they have to send the lab work out somewhere? Maybe there are certain kinds of surgeries that they are not able to do, or maybe they can do many types of complicated surgeries. These are some things to think about too. If you have to take your pet somewhere else for something more serious, this is going to be added stress for you and your pet as well. In line with that is, if there's a specific condition that your pet is dealing with, is there specialists that can deal with it? And where would the specialist be? Would they be in the clinic? Would they be in this neighborhood city? Would, they, would you have to go to another province or, or state in order to access them? And are you willing to, to make that kind of a trek? Is it going to be worth the stress that it's going to probably add to your your pet and its health?
0: Yeah, that's really good. I know, well, I'm here in the Northeast of the United States, so our states are pretty close together. But to get certain treatments, I would have to go into Connecticut and my vet is in New York. Not a big deal. Maybe an hour, hour and a half trip. Not big it just is something that i have to know and be aware of so it's really important to figure out what your particular vet veterinary of choice what they do what their services are are they open to specialists where those specialists are all of that stuff together is what creates the best package i guess wellness package mm mm-hmm. That you can create for your animal. Some of the smaller village vets, most of them don't have the capability or the space or the capacity to do some of the more intense testing processes. They may just have an x-ray machine and they may just be able to do basic blood analysis. Mm-hmm. Everything else has to go out because they don't have the facility space for that. Mm-hmm. So it's also something to consider. But if you go to a veterinary clinic that's huge, that they have all of the bells and the whistles, you may lose that individualized connection with your vet. Mm-hmm. So finding what you want and what you feel you need for your animal to have the proper care is really important. All of all of the things have to come together to create that best Situation Mm -hmm. for you and your animal.
1: Yeah. And some practices, there are some vets that are considered holistic vets, but there are also vets who are not necessarily a holistic vet, but they are open to holistic treatments and practices. Either or both of them could end up having other holistic practitioners working in the practice with them. They could have an acupuncturist, they could have a chiropractor, maybe some other. Possibilities as well. So, that would be another thing you can look at as well, if that's something that you are interested in.
0: I know in the United States, we have something called integrative veterinary clinics where they integrate the two, mm-hmm. both traditional and holistic. Mm-hmm. I want to put it a little caveat in being holistic is really, really good, but there is a time. And the space for traditional veterinary care. Mm -hmm. There are some things that may come to exist within your pet's health that holistic veterinary therapies will not 100% help. Mm -hmm. Being open and willing to blend the two when needed and then just like maintenance, you can stick with the holistic or having, like you said, the vets that are open to holistic practices and being open-minded is really important. I personally, in my opinion, I do not think it is in the best interest of the animal to be 100% holistic. I believe integrative is the term that works best, Mm -hmm. bringing both in for a complete wellness package, is, in my opinion, in the best interest Mm -hmm. for the animal. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think holistic treatments or just holistic care can go a long way. And it can probably reduce greatly the illnesses and other things that could happen as a result of not doing that. However, you can't prevent every single thing. Emergencies can still happen. If it's if it's kind of something that comes on suddenly, you're not going to be able to treat that holistically. You're going to need to have medicine or surgery or some kind of treatment like that in order to deal with it in the interim. And then you might be able to manage it holistically after the fact. But if you completely ignore the traditional medicine, you may Potentially shorten the life of your pet because they're not getting the treatment that they need, the immediate treatment that they might need.
0: Yeah, I completely I completely agree. What I'm giving from my experience to all your listeners out there is be open. Just be open. Mm-hmm. You don't have to definitely have a traditional vet in your pocket, but be open to the fact that there may come a time when your animal needs a traditional vet. Mm-hmm. Your animal is the priority here, not your theology or your belief system. The animal needs to be the priority. And I mentioned the integration of both because I want you to be able and have the capacity to give your animal the best life possible for them to thrive. And integration, in my opinion, is the best way to have them thrive. As with our last two-part episode, during recording, we found ourselves bringing you so much information that we will be splitting this episode into two parts as well. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss part two. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.